0: Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. Well, as many of you know, we are continuing the series for these refresh services called Mountain Climbers. Somebody say Mountain Climbers. Has anybody enjoyed this series so far, y'all? I'm telling you what, the words, the messages have been fire. Pastor CJ has been doing a great job, and I'm excited to continue to pick it up where he left off. And uh, we're talking about climbing mountains that we may experience or face in life. How do people know that we serve a God that can move mountains? Come on. We serve a God that can make a way where there seems to be no way, and... God that can open up doors, same God that closes doors, he can open up another door. We serve a mountain-moving God. I just love that name. I love that. He's a mountain-moving God, right? But at the same time, could it be possible, church, that we could be asking God to move certain mountains and praying and saying, God, move this mountain, move this mountain, and God could be saying back to us, what if that mountain was meant not to be removed or cast out, but what if it was meant for you to climb? For example, we may have a mountain of debt in our lives and we say, God, remove it. God, cast it out. Just get it out of here, right? And God could be whispering in our spirits, well, you need to stop eating out so much. You need to stop going on shopping sprees. You need to have a budget. Don't spend money that you don't have. Why? Because if I move this mountain, you're going to find yourself in the same predicament. Why? Because of bad spending habits. Why? Okay, you need to not, it's, it's time for you to climb that mountain. You know, and I believe that climbing a mountain often requires more faith than asking God to remove it, right? You know, there's some mountains that weren't meant to be avoided, but they were meant to be ascended. So during this series, Mountain Climbers, we've been taking a look at different mountains found throughout Scripture and seeing different people climbing up different mountains. We started off on week one talking about Mount Moriah. We've been looking at the life of Abraham and Isaac going up Mount Moriah, talking about faith, obedience, and trust. Pastor CJ brought a great message for that. And then the second week we talked about handling the height. The first week was called "Get a Grip." Somebody say "Get a Grip." The second week was called handling the height. We looked at Jesus and his disciples Peter, James and John going up the mount of transfiguration. Jesus went up there to pray and The title of the message was called Handling the Height, talking about how do we handle those moments in life where we do get on top of the mountain. I love it because Jesus prayed on top of the mountain. He prayed in such a magnificent moment. Abraham, I mean, not Abraham, Moses came and Elijah appeared to him and Jesus prayed. How many people know that we are called not just to pray in the low moments in life, but also on the mountaintop moments in life. And that's when Peter was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe what's taking place. Let's build a monument. He wanted to make a monument out of that one moment. And Jesus said, no. I still have work that I need to do. And in the same way, we can't just get stuck up on a mountain because God has another mountain for us to climb and another mountain for us to conquer. But tonight, I want us to take a look during part three of Mountain Climbers. I want us to take a look at Mount Galgotha. Somebody say Mount Galgotha. And this was the mount, this was the place that Jesus climbed whenever he carried the cross over 2,000 years ago. You know, it just brings me to tears sometimes thinking about the crucifixion, the pain, the suffering, the torment. Because you do know that Jesus felt every whip. He felt every lash. He felt every nail. He felt every step with the cross on his back. He felt the crown of thorns on his head. He felt it all, and yet he went through all of it because he loves you so very much. I want us to take a look at Mark chapter 15, verse 17 through 22. Can you stand to your feet this Wednesday evening, church? You ready for the word? All right. Mark chapter 15, verse 17 through 22. It says this And they clothed him, talking of Jesus, with purple, and they twisted a crown of thorns, put it on his head, and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with the reed and spat on him. And bowing the knee, they worshiped him. And when they had mocked him, they took the purple off him, put his cl- own clothes on him, and led him out to crucify him. And they compelled. then they compelled a certain man, Simon, a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by, to bear his cross, so Jesus is carrying the cross, he's unable to carry the cross, he falls underneath the weight of the cross, so they get Simon to help him carry the cross, and they brought him to a place called Golgotha, which is also known as Mount Golgotha, or Calvary, which is translated, place of a skull. Here's something that's thought-provoking that I was thinking about. Isn't it interesting that the place that Jesus was crucified on top of was called Skull? Because that mount looked, they said, like a skull. This was the place where Jesus would have nails thrust through his hands and nails thrust through his feet. And as I thought of that, I couldn't help but to think of the first promise of redemption that we find in Scripture in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, where God, where God is talking to the serpent. And he tells the serpent that he would put hostility between him, Satan, and the woman, Eve. And he said, there will be hostility between you and her, and there will be hostility between her seed and your seed. But one day, her seed will crush your head while he bruises his heel. So what a coincidence that Jesus has his feet pierced on top of a place called a skull. And it's on Golgotha, you following me? And it's on Golgotha that Jesus crushed, crushed the head of the enemy, of Satan, of the devil, of death, of sin, in order for you to be saved. Come on, how amazing is our God? It's just something to think about. That's not my sermon or anything like that. But what I want us to focus on tonight is this. I want to focus on Jesus carrying the cross up Mount Gagatha. The title for tonight's message is this, carrying the weight. Carrying the weight. If we want to be mountain climbers, we need to understand and learn how we can carry the weight, the purpose, the mandate, the plan that God has placed on our lives, the obstacles. We need to learn how to carry the weight wait. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word. The grass withers, the flower fades, God, but it's your word that remains the same, God. It stands, God, the test of time. So right now in this moment, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for open hearts and open minds. Lord, speak to us today. In Jesus' name, we love you so much. And everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing and respect and reading of God's word. You know, if you asked if you asked some of the best mountain climbers on the planet who have scaled, like, the tallest and toughest mountains on planet Earth for advice, uh, they would tell you two things. First, they would tell you this, to make sure that you bring plenty of supplies. Make sure that you carry the right equipment, the right gear. Make sure you bring food and rations for food. In fact, you know, experts actually recommend that if you're climbing up a mountain, if you have an expedition, to carry about 20% of your body weight in supplies. On your back, about 20%. So first thing that climbers would say, make sure you have plenty of supplies. Everything that you need as you go on this expedition. And the second thing that they would say is this. Make sure that you have some support. If you have it in your mind that you're going to climb up a mountain, don't you dare think that you can just do it by yourself. Because if you do it by yourself, it can be very deadly. In fact, this has become such a big deal in the mountaineering community that in 2018, Nepal actually put a restriction and ban from people climbing up Mount Everest by themselves. They call those people solo climbers. They say, you can't climb up Mount Everest by yourself. Why? Because climbing up a mountain by yourself is very deadly and it's very dangerous. I won't forget, years ago, whenever I was in Arkansas for a pastor's conference, and I was hanging out with some friends, and there was a mountain in the area, and the mountain was called Mount Sugarloaf. Somebody say Mount Sugarloaf. <laughs> Definitely isn't like Mount Everest or anything like that, right? And one morning, me and my friends decide, you know, we're going to go climb up Mount Sugarloaf. So we get our things together. We get our gear together. We get what we can, and we begin to hike up this mountain. We're excited. We're pumped up. But don't let the name fool you. Like, there were some steep parts on this on this mountain. And I won't forget, there was this moment where my friend was climbing right above me, and he lost his grip, and he began to fall. But thank God, there was somebody right above him that was able to grab his forearm, grab, it was like a le- crazy moment because I was kind of like right below him and I knew if he was falling there was a good chance I was falling and it was a long ways down so he was able to grab him last second and pull him up and I thought to myself like how bad could it have been if he was climbing that mountain by himself do you know do you want to know the best way to climb mountains with other people Because whenever you have other people with you, they will assist you in those steep moments. And I'm talking about physical mountains right now. They will assist you in those, in the steep moments. They will help you up if you fall. And they will help you carry the weight or carry the load when you need it. And the same could be said when it comes to the mountains that we experience in life. Can I tell you something real quick? You being a follower of Jesus, being a believer in God, being a Christian, God has not called you to be a solo mountain climber. It doesn't impress God whenever you begin to do things all by yourself. You become your own little island. You become a lone ranger Christian. You have these mountains ahead of you. In fact, I believe God looks at that sometimes and says to himself, what are they doing? They're trying to go through life by themselves. They're trying to accomplish all these things, my plan, my purpose. They want to do all these different things. Don't you know that it is dangerous to climb a mountain by yourself, not just when it comes to physical mountains, but when it comes to mountains that we experience in life. You know, as I think about that, I think of Jesus. Think about this for a moment. Jesus. Jesus climbed up. He was going up Mount Golgotha, right? And even he needed help carrying the cross. He needed somebody to assist him and help him. Jesus. This same Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, 100% man, 100% God, who just a couple chapters in, you know earlier, Jesus, you'll find a moment where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and there's a man whose ear is cut off by Peter. Jesus reattaches the man's ear. He t- turns to Peter and tells Peter, Peter, like, you know, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. And he says, Peter, don't you realize that if I wanted to in this very moment, I can call there to be 12 legions of angels, thousands of angels to come and fight on my behalf and free me. That's how much power and authority Jesus carried in his life. And yet, Jesus came into the world for one singular purpose. That was to give his life for a ransom, as a ransom for many. He came into the world to lay down his life on the cross. They didn't take his life, he laid his life down on the cross over 2,000 years ago. And yet, when that moment came in his life, what he came into the world to do, he was born to die when the weight of the cross was on him, after he was whipped, after he was scourged, after he was beaten. He was carrying the cross. It says that he collapsed underneath the weight of the cross, and Simon the Cyrene had to help him. If Jesus needed support when it came to climbing up that mountain, what makes us think that we don't need support in life? We need people alongside us in life. You know what God said whenever you saw Adam in the book of Genesis by himself? He said, it isn't good for man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. Because the truth is, you weren't designed to carry the weight and responsibilities of life by yourself, because there will be times and moments in your life where the weight and where the pressure becomes so heavy, and it becomes a lot, and you think to yourself, I don't know if I can take another step. It's in those moments that you need to remember why you first started to begin with and realize that if God called you to it, he will send the the support and resources and people necessary in order to accomplish his will and purpose here on this earth can I hear an amen from somebody yeah. thank you Jesus so we need people to help us carry to go up the, to go up the mountain whatever mountain it may be in front of us Jesus needed help carrying his cross what makes us think that we don't need help whenever it comes to mountains or things in our life here's my first point for you this Wednesday evening and it's this God will send people you can count on as you climb if you want to be a mountain climber I want you to get this. God will send people you can count on as you climb. Just as Simon the Cyrene helped Jesus carry the cross up Mount Gargatha, I believe that God will begin to send people in your life at moments when you need help, carrying different responsibilities tasks, purposes, or whatever, climbing up a mountain, I believe that God will strategically send people to help you go up there. I, I wrote it down like this earlier in my notes. I wrote it down like this. I said, you know, when we begin to carry God's purposes, God will begin to send burden bearers. And think about this for a second. Simon from Cyrene, which was a place in Africa, More than likely, he was just passing through to go to the temple because this was during the Passover. It says that he was just passing by a man that we've never seen in Scripture before or never even heard about. He's just passing by, and they compelled Simon to help Jesus carry the cross. So in one moment, all of a sudden, we see this this stranger, this random person, become like a key figure in the gospel narrative helping Jesus carried the cross up Mount Gagatha. Uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is this, that we can't become so picky as to who God can use to help us in life. Yeah. A random guy was passing by. I, I think we get so picky sometimes, thinking to ourselves, okay, you know, God, only you, can, you can only use this person or that person. No, you can't use that person. You, I, don't, I don't really know them, but can I tell you something? God will surprise you. He will send the most <laughs> unlikely people at times in life. Even people that were against you at times, I'm telling you what, to be a blessing and to help you get on top of that mountain, whatever it may be. You know, I was thinking about it like this. I was thinking of a story I heard a long while back about this man who was uh, trapped on this roof during a flood. And while he was trapped on this roof during a flood, he he began to cry out to God because the water was rising. He said, God, help me. Send, like, God, come and save me. And it says this rowboat came by, this man said, this this rowboat came by and the guy said, hey, hey, sir, jump in. I'm here to save you. And the man on the roof said, "Um, no, I'm good. You know, I I, I prayed to God already. He's going to come and save me. So the man on the rowboat drove off, right? He paddled off. Then, then a, motor, a motorboat came by, and the captain said, hey, sir, jump in the boat right now. I'm here to rescue you. And he said, no, I've already prayed to God. Uh, God's going to rescue me. So the motorboat drove off. And then a helicopter came right. They're right above him, right? They're propelling right above him. They throw a rope down, and they're saying, sir, grab the rope. We're here to save you. And the man says, no, I have faith. I already prayed. God will save me. God will help me. So they reluctantly, like, you know, flew the airplane off, and eventually the water rose, and it went over the roof, and the man ended up drowning, and he died, and he went to heaven, right? And he's standing before God, and he addresses the situation before God, and he says, God, what the heck? I prayed. I asked you to help me. Why didn't you show up? And God responds back by saying, what are you talking about? I sent you a rowboat. I sent you a motorboat. I sent you a helicopter. What more do you expect me to do, stupid? <laughs> but, but how many times is, is that us when it comes to life? God sends someone or something into our life to offer us assistance. And many times we say, thanks, but no thanks. Thanks. I'm good. And sometimes that's pride and ego. You know what my dad's told me before? My dad tells me to do this. He says, Caleb, don't be so quick to reject blessings that someone wants to bring into your life. Because in the process of you rejecting the blessing that someone wants to bring into your life, you can actually be restricting God blessing them and their life with something else to fill its place. So. God can use anyone he wants at any time. Think about it in the Bible, right? Nehemiah, Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah wanted to build, rebuild the walls in in Jerusalem. God put that on his heart. And you know who God used to make that come to pass and make that happen? God used a pagan Persian king, that Nehemiah was serving underneath as a cupbearer to send Nehemiah to Jerusalem with the supplies. Joseph, Joseph's in the prison, right? He's put in prison. He has the butler. There's the baker. The butler gets out of prison, right? And he ends up, you know, serving underneath Pharaoh. The butler forgets about him. And God uses that butler to tell Pharaoh, hey, like, I know you're having a hard time interpreting this dream A butler, right? Probably wasn't, jewish or anything he's probably egyptian god used that butler to talk to pharaoh pharaoh releases joseph out of prison he says i know exactly what that dream means and because joseph interpreted that dream god used joseph to save the whole nation of israel from a famine god used a butler think about elijah elijah this one just came to me elijah he's in a place i believe it's like a dry riverbed or dry he's in an area where he needs food you know who you know what god sends to bring him food The crows, the ravens, one of the filthiest animals to that ethnicity, not just to them, but it was considered very unclean. And God used ravens to send. You know who Jesus used to establish the early church and and spread the gospel? Filthy fishermen, tax collectors, outcasts, the least likely people. And, And I'm telling you what right now, God... God doesn't call the qualified. Many times God qualifies the called, right? God will use the most least likely people in life to help us. And guess what? God wants to use each and every one of us, the person sitting next to you, to help you overcome and get on top of whatever mountain that may be in your life. And you know how we do that? People that we can count through prayer, through encouragement, by serving one another, doing life together. That's our heart and our desire. We want to be a strong community here at Riverside Church. Give me your ear for a second. It is not God's will for you just to come into this church, not talk to anybody, not get to know the person next to you, not share – Not be you know there's so many opportunities that we have. through growth track, there's small groups or whatever, and then just go back out feeling like you're by yourself. No, that isn't what God wants. God wants us to be able to know one another, encourage one another, do life together, be a close knit community. And can I tell you, this is a safe place. No, there's no perfect church. There will be no perfect church until we get to heaven one day. Can I tell you that right now? But I'm telling you what, we're gonna be a loving church, forgiving church, encouraging church. We're we should be the type of church where if somebody is feeling burdened or they're struggling, they're going through issues, whatever it may be in life, we're the first person to reach out to them through text, through a phone call and say, hey, you know what? I see that you're going through this right now. You're having a hard time, but I just want to let you know I'm praying for you and I'm here for you and I want to help you. We find that in Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. Check this out. I love this. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2. You got it, y'all? It says this. It says, carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If we want to get on top of whatever mountain may be in front of you, it's very important. You need to realize God will send people that you can count on as you climb. And this is what the church should look like. Like I said earlier, if there's a brother or sister struggling, having a hard time, way down, we get right there and say, hey, we're with you. We're helping you. You know what I mean? We don't just point out, oh, the reason you're, you know— you're going through this and this and that is because of your own wrongs, because your own you know what I mean? We don't become judgmental or religious or anything. You know, you know, sometimes whenever somebody's going through something that you don't have to give them an explanation as to why they're experiencing what they're experiencing. (laughs) Sometimes people think, oh, we have to have all the answers in order for me to help someone. But can I tell you, sometimes it's not explanations they need, it's empathy. It's care. It's compassion. It's love. And some people, they don't Care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And that we're called to help each other carry the burdens. That is what God intended the church to be like. So, Jesus, think about this if Jesus, if if Simon didn't help Jesus carry the cross or somebody didn't step up, I I don't know if Jesus would have made it up Mount Gogotha. I can't say for sure, but God knew in his providence and his sovereignty that Simon would be right there in that exact moment to help him, whatever. But, but you know what else I believe got Jesus to the top of Mount Gagatha despite the resistance and everything that he felt? I, I think the reason Jesus was able to get on top of Mount Gagatha is because I believe Jesus saw himself there, saw, him, saw himself finishing the work, fulfilling everything, even whenever he was like at the base of the mountain, at the base of Mount Gagatha further away, before they even did that first whip, that first last, before they wrongfully accused him, he had it in his mind. No, I'm going to be there. I'm going to fall through it. I'm going to go all the way. The Bible says this, for the joy that was set before him, Jesus Christ endured the cross. He endured the cross. So imagine this, Jesus, he feels weakness in his body. Blood is dripping down his face. And he is seeing and hearing the crowd mocking him, making fun of him, giving him, like, mock worship. And yet Jesus has it in his mind, the joy that's set before him and what awaits for him once he dies and pays the ultimate price on the cross for your salvation. He had it in his mind beforehand. He knew the beginning to the end. And guess what? At that moment, Jesus going up Mount Gagatha. All of humanity was counting on Jesus getting up that up to that mount. All of heaven was. Look, can you imagine how it would look like in heaven? All the angels. Can you imagine the moment? All the attention is on Jesus. Everything has been built up to this exact moment. The devil even. I'm telling you right now. The devil didn't even know fully God's plan. He didn't even know fully. God, but but. Everything was counting and weighing on this one moment for Jesus to save humanity. Who's thankful that Jesus Christ completed the climb over 2,000 years ago? And here's why I believe. I say all that to say this. We talked about, you know, like, you know, God will send people in our lives that we can count on, that we can rely on to help us carry the weight as we make the climb right. I, I believe that. I sincerely believe that. You weren't called to do life alone. But I also want you to realize this, that you need to realize that people are counting on you to climb. There are things counting on you to climb and overcome and conquer that mountain, that challenge, that tribulation, that difficulty that is in front of you right now. For some of you, there are souls on the line. I don't know, for some of you, it may be a mountain of marital issues that... You have to climb in order to break generational curses in your life so it doesn't carry over to your children. And that way you can set a good example to your children and say, hey, this is what marriage was supposed to look like. for for some of you, it may be a mountain of addiction where you feel like you're going through cycles. You're never going to be able to overcome it, but God's saying, no, my grace is sufficient. You can climb this mountain, and when you climb this mountain, that's going to have other people that are facing similar addictions or the same addictions. Look at your life. Hear your story. Look at your testimony and say to themselves, if they did it, I know I can do it. I know that there's hope found in Jesus. I, I don't know what mountain you have. Maybe it's a mountain of fear. You have in insecurities, and you have to climb that mountain. You have to let go of that ego and pride so that way you can share the gospel with the co-worker, with a neighbor, with a friend, with a family member. Maybe it's a mountain of poverty in your life that you have to climb and get above and conquer and trust in God to get through so that way you can be a blessing to other people. I don't know what mountain that you have in your life right now, but I do believe this. I feel God's spirit. I believe that there are people counting on you to climb that mountain it is worth it the pain it's all worth it. going to be worth it at the very end of the day but can, can I give you a can I just give you a fair warning real quick can I give you a fair warning the moment that you begin to climb and walk out the purposes of God that God has in your life will be the moment that you will feel the resistance from the enemy The moment that you begin to climb and walk out the purpose of God in your life will be the moment that you begin to feel the resistance from the enemy. Think about Jesus carrying the cross, one of the most shameful experiences, insults being hurled at him. I can imagine the same people that he even ministered to, talked to, taught to, making fun of him and mocking him, saying, oh, look at him now. Look at Jesus. Look where he's at right now, right? They thought... It was failure, but it was really fulfillment. They thought it was a mistake, but he, he was really the Messiah. Can you imagine the picture and the scene of what's taking place in that moment? Jesus is carrying the cross, and I'm reminded of what the scripture says. Jesus said, hey, if you want to be one of my disciples, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow after me. In other words, the, I believe the cross is one of the supplies that we're meant to carry. In other words, don't be surprised the moment that you begin to walk your purpose out, that haters begin to come out in your life. The moment that your purpose begins to be walked out, as many times as the moment that haters and resistance and things begin to come out. And sometimes it's it's tough because it can be the people closest to us at times. The moment that we get serious about God and following after Jesus, people that we thought were for us, all of a sudden, they don't like our belief system. They don't like our values. They don't like our new lifestyle. And they begin to make fun of us and talk bad about, talk bad about us behind our back and, and make fun of us. I don't know if you've ever felt that before. And you just feel like just like an outcast. You just kind of feel like just, just out, you know, and you're just feeling that resistance, whatever it is. But can I tell you what Jesus said? Jesus said, hey, remember, if the world hates you, remember and keep in mind that it hated me first. And this is some stuff people don't want to talk about when it comes to carrying the cross. But can I tell you something? There's there's a lot of of denying, carrying crosses and dying and blood, sweat and tears in this faith, following after Jesus. There's going to be hard moments. There's going to be times where people aren't going to understand why you're so passionate about God. There, there's going to be moments. Uh, there's, there's going to be moments in your life, y'all, where people aren't going to understand why you would choose to be a part of an internship, or go to a Bible college rather than pursue that degree or that, that education. There are going to be times where people aren't going to understand why you would open up your house for small groups on a Friday night whenever that Friday night used to be poker night. There's going to be people that aren't going to understand why you're not going and, you know, freaking, like, go, sorry, going to the club, going to the club. That's like my Christian cuss word. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> going to the club. They're gonna. Okay, let me restart that. You ready? There's going to be people that aren't going to understand why, like, you're not going with them to the club on Saturday night because you have it in your mind. I'm going to church Sunday morning. I'm just telling you right now, there's going to be resistance following after Jesus. There will be resistance whenever you begin to truly follow after Jesus. And that's all right, and that's okay. And can I say this real quick? I, I believe that it could be possible. The, the reason you could, you, maybe you're not feeling resistance right now is because you could be going in the same direction as your enemy. But the moment that you truly make up your mind and make up your decision, I'm not going to live a hypocritical life. I'm not going to have a double standard. I'm going to follow after Jesus fully. I'm going to fulfill and walk into everything that God has for me. I'm not going to play church games. This is not about religious to-do lists. No, no. I'm truly going to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't care what devils I have to face, what mountains I have to climb, what generational curses I have to break, what strongholds I have to bow down. Whatever I face, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And it's in those moments, y'all. In those moments where you feel the weight, you feel the pressure, you feel the resistance, you need to do what Jesus did and remember the joy that's on the other side of that mountain. When you think, oh, my gosh, it's not worth it. Why did it get started? I'm doing this and it seems like things are going the wrong. You need to remember why you, when you're at the base of the mountain, you need to, to think of yourself being at the top of that mountain and thinking about how it looks like. And when you have that mindset and you think those thoughts you'll have the endurance to come against any um, resistance or pain or whatever it may be that's thrown at you in your life. I like to say it like this. It's vision that gives pain purpose. It's vision. Is this making sense to somebody this Wednesday evening, man? I really hope it is, (laughs) y'all. I love you guys. Y'all are awesome. It's vision that gives pain purpose in life. Whenever you begin to envision yourself healthy, I believe uh, it will help you continue to make the right eating decisions and work out through the pain, even if the results are taking a while. Why? Because I have it envisioned. I have that vision. Because of this vision, it will give my pain purpose. Whenever you begin to visualize, when you begin to visualize that wayward child of yours coming to know Jesus Christ, that will give you the endurance to continue to pray and love for them despite their rebellion. When when you begin to visualize your marriage being stronger than ever before, that will give you the endurance to continue to talk and walk through any problems or difficulties that you will face in life. I know it looks like I'm carrying a cross right now in this moment here on earth, but I have a vision that one day I will be in heaven with Jesus, and I will trade this cross for a crown. No, I'm going to keep on following after Jesus despite the cost, despite the resistance, despite the difficulty. I choose to fix my eyes on Jesus Christ. I've come way too far to throw in the towel. Come on, I've come way too far to give up. I know I'm halfway up this mountain. I know it seems like it's taking a while. Right now, but I'm not going to give up. Why? Because I know that everything I've experienced wasn't for nothing. God will use it for His glory. God will turn all things together for good. People are counting on me. God will send the right people in my life. Thank you, Jesus. At least you can come on up, girl. Hmm. You know I was thinking to myself, you know if you're in this place right now and you're saying, Caleb, I, I hear what you're saying, but I'm going through something in my life where I feel the weight, I feel the pressure, I feel like giving in, I feel like giving up, can, can I just remind you that, that God, I believe God will send the right people, the right people that you can count on to help you carry the weight, and that Jesus said, I love the scripture where it talks about Jesus saying, you know, come to me all those who are weary and heavy laden, carrying burdens, and I will give you rest. I, I don't know what mountain you may be facing right now, Tonight, but I want to leave you with this closing thought. When we carry each other's burdens, the climb becomes easier and the mountaintop becomes more exciting. When we carry each other's burdens, the climb becomes easier and the mountaintop becomes more exciting. How tragic would it be, y'all, to get in this mindset where we think it's all about me, myself, and I? We work, we hustle, we grind, we get to this top, top of this mountain we look around we say we're self-made but there's nobody up on top of the mountain to celebrate with us but how amazing would it be is if we put our trust hope faith belief in God God sends people in our life to help take care of our children to be the wife that God has called you to be to be the man of God that God has called you to be to be the follower that God has called you to be, and we get to the top of whatever mountain, whatever challenge or whatever it may be in your life, and you look around and you see all the people that you brought along with you that helped you along the way. That's exciting. You know, um, if anybody ever did anything significant, they didn't do it by themselves. There was a Simon from Cyrene somewhere along the way that helped them. Come on, you can stand to your feet this Wednesday evening. Remember, God will send people that you can count on as you climb. And people are counting on you to climb. And, you know, and I was thinking about Simon and I was thinking about Jesus and Jesus going up to Mount Gargotha, and I was thinking to myself, who was really helping who? Like, who was really helping the other person? Yes, Simon, Simon was carrying, helped carry the cross that Jesus bared. But it was really Jesus that was carrying Simon's sins and our sins. That's what Jesus, so really, it wasn't Simon that was helping Jesus. It was really Jesus that was helping, and I believe, saving Simon. And the Bible doesn't really talk about or clarify whether or not Simon became, you know, a follower of Jesus or not after that moment but you know one thing that's pretty interesting i was i wasn't planning on sharing this as i was studying thinking about this you know during that time you know during that week during passover week that was a time where people from all over the world all over that region all over the area people in africa whatever people that had that jewish faith or that belief ethnicity, they would come and travel many times to Jerusalem, and they would go into the temple, and that's when they would make sacrifices, and when they came into the temple, they would have to present themselves ceremonially clean. One of the requirements were that you couldn't have blood splattered on you as you came into the temple, and I can just imagine Simon, I I just think that he was on the way, He he was from a long distance Passover week, I can imagine him going and planning to go into the temple, planning to go and, and, and worship and, and follow through with the religious system that was set up during that time for Judaism. But then as he's passing by, all of a sudden this man that he may not even have known before named Jesus is carrying this cross, probably full of blood, blood all of them from head to toe, lashes over 38 lashes from a cat cell. and I believe I'm telling you there's probably, he's probably bleeding all over. And I'm sure Simon probably got some blood on him whenever he was helping Jesus carry the cross. And if you had blood on you, you couldn't enter into the temple and follow through with the religious systems during that time. So to the religious leaders during that time, Simon was seen as unclean. But the religious leaders didn't understand the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Because if Simon only knew that he was being covered by the most precious substance of all time, the blood of Jesus that covers you and I today, that whenever God looks at our sin, he doesn't see our sin, but he sees the blood and he sees his son. If Simon only, oh man, I'm telling you, he was being covered by the blood, literally, we talk about, oh, we plead the blood. Simon was covered by the blood and I can only imagine him feeling Something when he followed Jesus, when he helped Jesus carry the cross. And I, I believe that Simon gave his life to Jesus because he even clarifies that in the statement. You know, it's like he was like, he was the father of so-and-so and so-and-so. And so. Like the, the author was trying to make a specific, like, hey, this person, this person. He, like, I believe that eventually he joined the church. But think about this. I'll end it with this, y'all. Uh, this is, I love the Bible, y'all. I love studying and everything, okay? This was Good Friday. I know it's not Easter yet. But people say that that was the worst day in history and the best day in history. It was the worst day because that was the day that man killed God. But it was the best day in history because that was the day that God killed death. Once and for all. Come on, right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're in this place right now. I want to give an invitation for you to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I don't know what you may be facing or struggling or or battling through right now, but can I tell you, the blood of Jesus is more powerful than any sin, than any other influence. And right now in this moment, maybe you feel God stirring something in your spirit and your soul, and you're saying, you know what, in this moment, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to rededicate my heart to God. I want to get serious about the things of God. I want you to pray this prayer with me. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. The gospel is good news. Salvation is available to you right now in this moment. And all you got to do is repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins. I repent for all of my wrongs. I love you, Jesus. I believe, Jesus, that you are Lord, that you died, and that you rose. I receive your gift of salvation in Jesus name amen I pray right now Lord Jesus that you would give every person strength Lord to overcome every mountain that you would send divine relationships God and divine provision you would send the supplies you would send the support God so that way God we could live a life pleasing unto you God we can live a life God where we're able to come against God anything that that that, and overcome anything that comes against us God not by might not by might Not by power, but by your spirit. Come on, if you believe that, if you receive that, can we go ahead and worship God just for a minute before we go? Come on, sing it out. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.